Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Georgie here, Director of Learning Development for the Classroom Partnership, and we return to focus on our early career teacher and mentor podcasts. I'm joined by Helen Morgan, a previous head of school and associate for Thirsty Scholars Partnership, and Andy Bridge, a current deputy principal. In our last podcast, we explored developing our pedagogical knowledge and looking at what makes great teaching. Today, we are focusing on adaptive teaching. Adaptive teaching is about acknowledging that all students learn at different rates and require different amounts of support. Managing this whilst also maintaining high expectations, which we've covered previously for all students, is a real challenge. So today we're going to explore how teachers can teach in a responsive way, supporting all students to make excellent progress, including those with SEND and lower prior attainments. So let's start unpacking how we can be responsive. And I'm going to start by turning over to Andy. Thanks for joining us today, Andy. What are the key components of adaptive teaching? Hi, Georgie. So I think firstly, it's kind of acknowledging that we're not teaching robots like um, you know, people are all different. Um, we know learning's messy as it is before you even look at the the idea that all pupils are different. They're all going to learn at different rates. They all require different levels of support. They've all got different barriers to learning. Um, you know, they've all got different experiences and, and prior knowledge. So it's a really kind of complex, um, complex thing to go into a room with 30 students, potentially with all these different barriers, starting points, um, issues that's tough and and to expect that everybody would be able to follow one straightforward plan to get to the same point really is unrealistic so i think um, adaptive teaching is acknowledging that acknowledging that students learn in different at different rates they some of them are going to need different levels of support and it's about being really aware knowing your students really well looking around the classroom seeing who's struggling noticing and then putting in some kind of bespoke support for them Thank you. So, Helen, what what does the research tell us about adaptive learning? Yeah, I'm just laughing because I think Andy's um, dog was in the background there. I don't know <laughs> if anybody else could. Yeah, so you're probably also here in a minute. I've got a 10, 10 month old little boy who's now been asleep for a good three hours. So probably any minute you will hear <laughs> screams of a hungry toddler. Yeah, I think. Andy's dog sounds like this big kind of vicious dog when you hear him barking, but actually he's a a Bichon freeze. Um. (laughs) A little teddy bear with a big. The joys, the joys of live live podcast recording. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know when we look at the research about adaptive teaching, I think one of the key kind of messages for early career teachers is just about being careful with evidence um you know um a number of years ago um teachers were all following um the research on learning styles and identifying students as visual auditory or kinesthetic learners and schools had registers saying you know which type of learner a student was and 
now that evidence has, has been largely kind of debunked um, as being not very useful at all. So I think the first message really is be careful with the evidence. Um, I think the other thing is is not to label students, you know, um, again, lots of the research talks about the danger of giving students labels. Like Andy said, and if we go back to the High Expectations podcast, um, you know, we need to have that belief that all children can achieve well, both academically and um, in terms of their own personal development. And like it says in the the, the kind of the opening, um, they'll get there at different rates and by different routes. I think another thing kind of just to bear in mind as, as well with research is about flexible grouping of students. So one of the things the research tells us is that flexible grouping of students can be really effective as long as the teacher monitors the impact of this on student engagement and motivation. Um, and, you know, last but not least, um, when we think about students with additional needs, they'll often have support from teaching assistants. Um, early career teachers need to think about how they can deploy those teaching assistants really well in their classrooms. Um, what we know about um, the, the work that teaching assistants do is that it can be really, really positive. But when they're not deployed well, it can also be quite negative as well. And that's through no fault of the teaching assistant. It's about how well we deploy them with the students and what we ask um, the teaching assistants to do. So I think, you know, as an early career teacher, that's an area where you might want some support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might want to talk to your mentor or to the, the Senko about how you can use those teaching assistants really well with students in your classroom. Yeah, Andy, you're you're in a current sort of uh, school as a, a deputy principal. And so who, from your experience, who can help sort of early career teachers with with sort of TAs and deployment? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we've talked in this podcast a lot about the role of the mentor and the importance of the mentor. So that's probably um, the first port of call. But I think we, we couldn't talk about um, adaptive teaching and, and not reference the crucial role of the SENCO in schools. So, um, you know, the special educational needs coordinator is the one and only role in school that is that every school is legally required to have. Um, so, you know, that's kind of showing the, the gravitas and the importance of the work that they do. So it's acknowledging really that um, students with SCND, uh, you know, they are likely to require some either additional um, input or some adapted support. And the Senko really is that expert person. Um, you know, there's potentially depending on the needs and the level of need, lots of different agencies. There could be different um, support providers and liaison between different external providers, um, all providing this kind of additional capacity to help that student make progress. But the Senko is the one person who's the kind of gatekeeper for it, who draws it together um, and hopefully gives teachers really concrete strategies that they can use in their classroom to help that student make the um you know the progress that they need to so talk to the you know talk to your mentor ask for their guidance and their expertise make sure you know who your senko is um, and where you can access things like support plans one page profiles whatever your school calls that documentation um you know and kind of read the advice and make sure it's a priority for you to really focus on implementing that to a high standard in your classroom 
And also the, the key in, as an early career teacher is getting used to having sort of robust relationships with with parents as well and families and guardians at home when yeah. when children do in particular have um senko needs that becomes sort of almost a, a triangle approach Absolutely. so that the, the the child is at the uh, learner centered yeah i think um you know there's a lot of good practice with that in primary schools but quite often when a student moves up to secondary school because they're moving around so many different teachers that level of um communication and engagement with parents or carers can sometimes kind of diminish a little bit mm -hmm. uh, you know it's important we maintain that for all students but particularly as you said students with SEND um, it can really be beneficial to make sure we've got those relationships and that that, that important information is being shared. Yeah thank you Andy. So Helen we talked about sort of all the different things that an ECT needs to think about around adaptive learning what aspects around responsiveness and responsive teaching might an ECT struggle with? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, isn't it? And I think just going back to the previous point that you and Andy made about relationships with parents, that can be quite daunting as an, an early career teacher, um, particularly, you know, if, if, if you're a, a very young um, early career teacher as well, having the confidence to ring parents and talk to them about their child can be quite tricky. So I think one of the, the key things to talk about as an early career teacher with your mentor is about how you can build those relationships, particularly with, you know, for students with additional needs and perhaps go and, you know, observe some colleagues doing it. Um, I think for me as well, you know, um, it's tempting for people to fall into what I would call the old differentiation trap. Um, adaptive teaching is differentiation but not as we used to know it so it's not about spending hours creating a different activity for every child in the classroom and colour coding everything depending on different groups it's for me about you know being really responsive so as an early career teacher you know look at your students work listen to what they're saying um, and then respond in the most appropriate way where you're focusing on moving them on. And I think, again, it comes back to getting to know your students really well, but also as, as you know, as a teacher, not always feeling like you have to be doing the doing. Um, I think as a teacher, observing and noticing in the classroom are really important. You've got you've got to listen really carefully. You've got to be looking at students' work because that's when you'll know what they can do and what they can't do, and then you can adapt your practice um, accordingly. Um, I think you know the the key always is just as an early career teacher, just to pay attention to workload and well-being. Um, adaptive teaching shouldn't mean more. It's just about adapting and changing your practice and. And a lot of that can be done in situ, so in the lesson, um, not always staying up till 11 o'clock at night, cutting things out and, and being busy. We don't want busy teachers, we want really effective teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, an effective facilitator, isn't it, in effect? So, Do you have any one top tip to share with early career teachers, Andy? I think it's important that we probably like loop back to the first podcast that we did in this series about having high expectations. I think sometimes the danger um, that we face is thinking that students with SEND or other barriers to learning, that we should expect less of them because of their need. Um, and actually, 
all that work that we did looking at high expectations is still very relevant, um, you know, if not more relevant for students with SEND that we keep our expectations really, really high. Um, the only thing that we change is the amount of support that we give them to to reach those expectations. And with some learners um, with SEND, you know, you'd be able to reduce that support over time, depending on what their need is. But we never lower our expectations um, you keep them keep them that high, give them the scaffolding and the support to get them there, but never lower your, lower your expectations. Thank you, Andy. And Helen, what's your key takeaway from our conversations today about being responsive? And I know we've covered adaptive learning as well. Yeah, I think, you know, um, Andy's kind of, Andy's point is is really important about not lowering expectations. I think in conjunction with that, um, you know, for an early career teacher, um, it's about asking for help and support if you're struggling with that ability to either be kind of responsive and, and you know, being adaptive in your lessons. Um, and I think sometimes it's tempting if you try something that the, the Senko suggests or a colleague suggests and it doesn't work first time to just say, well, that doesn't work. I'm not doing it again. But actually, you know, teaching is about refinement and just because something doesn't work once it doesn't mean that it'll never work sometimes we've got to practice it to get it to work well sometimes actually you, you'll try it it doesn't work and you'll be better off for knowing that it doesn't work and you'll go and try something else but I think for me um, you know sometimes when you're working with students it's about you know trial and error um and obviously you don't want too much trial and error, but, 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 you know, um, not everything works all of the time. Um, but, but I think it's Dylan Williams says, you know, everything, um, works somewhere and nothing works everywhere, but I think you've got to sometimes give things enough time and you've got to refine them to actually get them to work. So, you know, for me, um, ask for help if you need it. And if something doesn't work, um, don't always give up on it. Um, and don't worry. I think I can't wrap up the uh, podcast any better than that, Helen. That was uh, don't worry. Sounds <laughs> like a, a really, really good uh, end to uh, a great podcast again. Thank you, Helen and Andy, for your contributions around being responsive and adaptive learning. And in our next podcast, we will actually be unpacking and discussing assessment and the minefield that is assessment. And this podcast is going to explore what strong practices look like for both formative and summative assessment and how marketing and feedback can be completed to a high standard, but in a manageable way. So you're not drowning in a sea of uh, exercise books. Our After the Bell podcasts are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. And you can listen to them on your daily commute, on your treadmill or as you're focused today. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. And thank you to our presenters again, Helen and Andy. And I look forward to uh, speaking with you all very soon. Take care. Bye bye.